And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. All right, all right. We're here to distract you from the reality that we don't know what's happening in our political system <laughs> at yes. this point, right? Hey, everybody. My name is Tony Gapastone. I am the founder and executive director of Brave Maker, and I'm grateful to be having my co-host, Christina Jackson. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm glad to be back. Glad for uh, glad for the show. I'll take my mind off the thing right now. That's right. So we are talking today about screenwriting, and yes. we're really excited to be able to have Cody Smart. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome, Cody Smart. Yeah, thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Yeah, Cody. So Cody and I met in an online screenwriting group, which is super cool. I love that the power of the internet, especially right now in COVID times, lots is happening online. In fact, we actually owe COVID a thank you for starting this <laughs> live do. show. We, we don't do. thank COVID a lot, but if it wasn't for this ridiculous pandemic, we uh, wouldn't be having this weekly show at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But I digress. Cody, uh, talk about what a script doctor does, because you are a script doctor. It sounds mm -hmm. like a funny, fancy word, yeah. something maybe you only hear about in movies. But tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, it's funny because like I was actually on one of those Facebook groups the other day, and someone was making fun of the word script doctor, you know, they were saying like, don't give yourself a nickname and things like that. So it's actually funny that you bring that up. But it's a term that a lot of people don't understand. So it's good that we're starting with that. So there's script consultants, and then there's script doctors, right? And a lot of people don't know the difference. A script consultant uh, gives you notes on your script, uh, reads your script, tries to break it down, make suggestions and things like that. But the script doctor actually takes that one step forward and they make those changes for you. So Ooh. usually script doctors are both things, right? Consultants and doctors. So they might just give you notes at first, but if they step in as a ghost writer and actually write uh, or make the changes and rewrites that are required right before production, then that's uh, where the script doctor uh, chimes in, you know, and like gets their work done. So usually uh, I call script doctors like the unsung heroes of the development phase. Uh, the course I teach at UCLA, script doctoring, that's how I describe my course in the description. Uh, because usually script doctors come in at the last minute, you know, everything's being done. And then right before production, you still have areas that are just not working or are not mm -hmm. there where they should be. So script doctors come in as ghost writers, you know, usually they remain unknown and kind of polish all of those things. Uh, so the movie can actually go forward. That is amazing. So I've been working with Tony for the last couple of months working on, uh, a, I guess you call it a script or a screenplay. And I've been really struggling with 
creating a compelling conflict. I keep getting feedback that the conflict isn't really there. It's not really solid. What advice do you have for someone who's working on their script and the conflict is just falling flat? It's weak. For me, the conflict always goes back to the protagonist. You know, okay. I think that a lot of times when we're seeing problems with the conflict in a script, mm -hmm. it has to do with the goal, the arc, and the flaws of the protagonist. Because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we all talk about the three-act structure and all of that and the turning points, but that's not just words. It's usually like that, that structure has to do with the character. And the conflict, mm -hmm. like all of the turning points have to do with that goal, with that flaw, with mm -hmm. um, the arc of the protagonist. So I always say go back to the protagonist whenever mm -hmm. you're having problems with your central conflict, because mm -hmm. usually that's where the problem lies. And would you say, so again, Cody and I met in the screenwriting group and I can also give an endorsement for Cody as a script doctor. She has also done proofreading for me on many of my scripts, uh, which I love. So we're gonna help you connect to her. And if you take my screenwriting workshops, Cody is now partnering with us. We have screenwriting workshops that go four weeks in a row and she'll be joining us on the fourth week of every one of our workshops to do a question and response session, which we're really exciting about. But can you talk about, so, when we think about our protagonists and their conflict, you know, every good story is about a character who wants something. So are you talking about throwing more wrenches into that character's want? Or what else would you say? Like, what are some tips and tricks that we could navigate or write to when it comes to making our conflict better for our protagonists? That's a, that's a really good question. I, I actually think that one of the things that people forget is that protagonists have to have really good flaws that have to do somehow with that goal, with that want, you know, they have to be in opposition to that. So a good character flaw would link to that goal that the protagonist has in your movie. So those two have to be related. And that's usually where the problems with conflict are. You know, they want something, but they can't just be perfect. You know, they can't be like, oh, the perfect prince that just gets everything they want. Mm -hmm. No, like, yeah, that's their goal, but they can't just get everything. They have to have some sort of flaw that goes against that want. Obviously, by the end, hopefully they arc, you know, they overcome that flaw. That would be the ideal scenario. There's that phrase I like, I don't know who said it, maybe you do, but when you're writing your script, you should chase your protagonist or your hero up into a tree, and then you should throw rocks yeah. at that protagonist. So finding ways to make things hard for your character. And then also, yeah, the idea that all of your characters in some way should have something that makes them unique and flaws because we all are flawed. Flaws are what really makes our characters nuanced and human. I, I like that. Yeah. And actually what you're saying is true because you said like all of your characters, a lot of people forget that the story's not just about the protagonist. You know, right. all of the characters should be three-dimensional. Mm -hmm. They should all have some sort of flaw, some sort of goal, some sort of arc. Obviously minor characters can be as developed as your protagonist, but let's say your antagonist they need to feel human. They can't just be a cartoon character, you know, like, oh, the old timey bad guy that's just plain bad. We connect with them a lot better when they feel real, when we actually care mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 
it's a lot more different if we somehow understand where the antagonist is coming from, even though we don't want to root for them, but we understand that human element. It's funny. We end up do sometimes rooting for the antagonist, don't we? Yeah. We sometimes like <laughs> when the antagonist stands in the way. And I love that idea too, that even the antagonist thinks they're the good, they're, they're doing oh, yeah. good in the they're story. They're destroying you know? their story. That's right. Like a good example, like, for me, the best example of that is Breaking Bad. You know how they started with that protagonist that turned into the antagonist by the end of season five. And they just did that in such an amazing way that we still rooted for him, even though by the end, Walt was evil, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a great example. I was just thinking, wow, what protagonist antagonists have really been compelling, like really evocative stories and Breaking Bad came to me like I was at the edge of my seat watching that finale and you're right yeah. it was just so confusing if you take a step back and it's like wow I'm rooting for who yeah you know like, it's so like, yeah and you're like oh my god what's happening to Hank why am I still rooting for yeah. Wolf like what is happening like what is going on wow but yeah you connect you know they like he was the antagonist by the end but we still connected with the fact that he had a family he had started everything because the health problems in this country it don't really allow for him to you know get the doctor care that he needed so he wanted just to take care of his family basically so we root mm -hmm. for him regardless of all of the craziness he ends up doing that is so wild so as a script doctor and mm -hmm. someone who teaches with ucla you must read a lot of scripts, a lot of good scripts, a lot of bad scripts. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if you can share some kind of overarching themes when it comes to what makes a good script. What elements are there? What things are you looking for? And then I want to also talk about what you do when you write coverage or what people who are submitting their scripts to contests or to executives and to agents, what kind of things they're looking for. I feel like to go to your first question first, like, the thing that makes a script stand out is that a script that has a point of view, you know, a unique voice, something that just kind of jumps off the page, not just the classical way of telling the story. If you have something to say with your script, and I'm not saying like you should be preachy or any of anything like that, but just have something that you want to tell, like a story that stands out in that way. And one of the things is that you can go both ways, you know, you can tell a completely unique story we've never seen before. And obviously that's what everyone is looking for, but that's really hard to do. Like after all of the years of cinema, we've pretty much told every story there is to tell. But the other way is to tell one of those stories with a unique take we have not seen before. And that's the other thing executives are looking for and what I'm looking for when I read a script, you know? So there's been a million haunted houses story, but what's a new take we haven't seen on a haunted house story, for example? I love that example and that those ideas because the thing I always tell in my workshops, everybody knows the Lion King, but not everybody knows the Lion King is a take on Hamlet, yeah. to take on Shakespeare's Hamlet. And so when you think about in screenwriting and in the film industry, a lot of us will pitch our project as it's, you know, it's um, Breaking Bad uh, in, in a musical or something like that. So yeah. if you can find something that you're attracted to, like for instance, when they took the idea of Hamlet, 
I'm putting it into Lion King. Oh, that's interesting. So I think that's a great, that's a great Cody about going when we feel stuck, when we're yeah. trying to give our story a unique voice is to say, is there a way for me to make something that's old, fresh? Yeah. Is it, you know, there's this old, um, TV show called The Honeymooners, right? It's about yeah. these four people who live in a building to the moon, Alice, right? We've seen this. The, the guy is kind of misogynistic. But what if you made that into a cartoon? Or what if you put that into um, uh, 2020 in the middle of a pandemic with people of color in a, who live in a building? Like that would be a fresh spin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like just a new take on a, on a material that's been done before makes it completely fresh. And that's what we want to see. It's really hard to tell a new story in this day and age, but just finding a new tweak on that can actually make or break a script. Can you talk about what you're doing with coverage? And mm -hmm. I know you have next level screenwriting and you work with, and we have somebody, Chris here from Story Data is saying, <laughs> sharing some love with you. So thanks for watching, Chris. But talk about some of the work that you're doing with and for screenwriters and how you do it. Yes. So coverage, you know, is when a script analyst or consultant reads your story, reads your script, they break it down and they give notes. There's multiple ways of writing coverage. The way I go about it is that I I read the script, of course, I write a grid, then I do two types of analysis, an in-depth analysis of the entire script with development notes and suggestions on how to improve that, and then a second set of notes, which are page notes with more specific notes uh, on every page, uh, a lot of formatting, stuff like that, because you also want to make sure that when you send your script in, it looks perfect, you know? So I also give all of that. But since I am a script doctor, when I'm writing coverage, I focus a lot on the development notes and try to write them in a way that they're the most constructive notes possible, offering suggestions on how to fix the things. Because you can just butcher a script, you know, and say, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. Then what's the point of your coverage, you know? It doesn't go anywhere. You're just destroying something. A good coverage actually helps you move forward, go into that next draft, you know? So you kind of go through it and you offer suggestions. And I always try to stay true to the story that's trying to be told and the genre. Because that's another thing. Like sometimes you're reading something and you can go like, oh, why not make it a comedy? Why not make it this? That's not really what the script is about, you know? So you have to make sure you're staying true to that when you're giving your notes and your suggestions. Oh my gosh, I needed to tell you a quick story. So uh, Cody did a proofing on my feature film, The Thorns We Live With. And this is a film that I've been working on for quite some time. It's based on a true story uh, that my family had to deal with. It's quite tragic, but I wrote a dramedy to give some levity to the pain, mm -hmm. you know, that my family went through to deal with a suicide. And so I've been pitching this to different people and I got a really cool, <laughs> a really cool connection at Universal Film okay. Pictures, which was amazing. I was super yeah. excited. got really over, um, probably overwhelmed. Uh, and I got on this call with this guy and I was pitching this idea of this family that has to find their their, their matriarch over Thanksgiving in um, a coma because she overdosed with drugs. And then they go to the hospital and they have to reconcile their family. And this guy was like, oh, this sounds interesting. You know what you should do? You should make it a scavenger hunt, like something like Jumanji, where 
And I'm like, I thought he was joking at first. I was like, are you serious, dude? Like, I'm pitching you a story about a family that's, that it takes place at a hospital and you're wanting me to go on a scavenger hunt. Like, it was just crazy. So I think yeah. about what you just said and I totally appreciate the fact mm -hmm. that it's a, a script doctor and a consultant and, a, and someone who's proofing. You're going, hey, what's the real... A lens I need to look at this film through and give notes in that way because that's yeah. not always the case. Exactly. Like, yes, I know a lot of executives just want to butcher what you've written and they're looking specifically for something different. So they kind of want to just take what you have and create something different. But I work a lot with the writers themselves, you know, and I'm a writer too. So I understand that you're trying to tell a certain type of story. So that's where I try to do when I give notes, you know, help in that path, not just take your story and butcher it like an executive would do. <laughs> that is fantastic. So you you talked a little bit about a three-dimensional character and characters have to be strong for the story yeah. to be strong. So where do you start creating a strong three-dimensional character? I actually always start from the character. And I know a lot of people start from like an idea or a plot or something like that. But for me, it always comes down to the character. And mm -hmm. writing those character Bibles just for myself, you know, like sometimes just writing a lot and a lot and a lot of like backstory that will never make it onto the page, but just to make them feel real and three dimensional mm -hmm. and trying to make them like we were saying before, you know, flawed people. Nobody's perfect. Like you don't want to see that on the screen either because that's just mm -hmm. boring. So you want to make them feel as realistic as possible, you know, find those little quirks in the way they talk, for example. So you have like unique voices in the different characters or find the little things they like and that they reference when they're speaking. So I think that it all goes down, like goes back to that. Mm -hmm. And then also kind of back to what we were saying earlier, connect that to the plot of the story. So like you might have a, an idea of what you want your movie to be, but to actually start shaping it after you have the character, all of the turning points should relate to your protagonist's goal and arc. So that's how I start shaping the story. I have the protagonist and then I kind of like make a line for myself with all of the turning points and kind of like mm -hmm. write down there how the character is going to be shifting in every turning point to actually get somewhere towards the end. So for those of you who are new to screenwriting, when she talked about a Bible, uh, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a great uh, phrase to look up and to, know, to make sure you know what that is. But basically it's like creating this document, this sort of this book, a yeah. holy book, if you will, about your story that includes character bios. It includes the mood and the tone of the film. It includes maybe even like your perspective as a writer, like how you are coming to this and what you are writing about. It includes where the story is going. If you're doing a TV show, it includes information about episodes, like at least in the first season and then where seasons two through five could potentially go. But I think one thing I love and your name makes this idea come to my mind. One thing that I think is really 
cool is when you're naming your characters, name them something significant. Yeah. Cody, Cody Smart is such a great name, right? <laughs> it's so uh, it's identifiable like to who you are. Like the fact that Smart is in your name is really <laughs> perfect for someone who's That's a writer. My mother. That's my mom's last name. So I love it. I love it. I often will look up because I have three children. I named all of my wife and I named all of our children something significant and Italian because it was meaningful to us. They all have something like one's named Warrior Rejoicer. Like that's what her name means. And when I name my characters, I do the same thing. I look up what names mean or I name them people in my own life that. I want them to resemble or in yeah. killer couch, this little short film, I named one of the antagonists Donnie after Donald Trump, you know? So, so naming your characters, I think that's all a part too of how you can make your characters three dimensional. Like I think of mm -hmm. Olivia Pope from scandal, the oh, fact yeah. that her name Pope, you know, this has a religious connotation yeah. always made me think something significant about Kerry Washington as an actor, as she played mm -hmm. that character who was basically handling scandals in, in, in politics. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one thing that I think is really cool. Definitely. Um, cool. I want to ask about, so let's talk about next level screenwriting because mm -hmm. that's where people can also follow you yes. um, on for tips and ideas on Instagram. So talk about that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So that's my Instagram, also my Facebook page. And that's where I offer one-on-one -on -one consulting, you know, uh, a lot of coverage. That's how I help a lot of writers. Uh, and of course, from like usually when I work with with my different clients, we start off with a coverage report, what we were talking about earlier, you know, the analysis of the script, because before I can do my work as a script doctor, I want to make sure that the writer and I are both on the same page. You know, sometimes someone reads a script and of course, reading is subjective. You know, you can always try to be as objective as possible. And that's what every consultant strives to do. But Obviously, not everyone can connect to every genre and every story. So not everyone is capable of rewriting or doctoring every script. So the first thing I do is I go through the script, I write a report, and then I go into a conversation with the writer and see if we're on the same page or not. And if we are, then I can move on to the next stage, you know, and do a rewrite uh, or doctor the script. Sometimes I also work with the writers, you know, I do one coverage report, take it back to them. They do a rewrite first, maybe two or three rewrites, and then they come back to me. I write another report, uh, kind of a compare, like comparing both scripts or something like that. And then I do a final polish, you know, or a rewrite towards the end when they're almost ready to have the script shown to producers or writers, you know. Uh, so I work like that. And I also do a lot of consulting with um, with people, you know, like they send me their outlines or treatments before they actually go into writing a script just so I can help them with that. That's great. So at Next Level Screenwriting, contact Cody for any of her services. I would encourage you, if you are hearing this word coverage, if you want to be a screenwriter, this is going to be something that's going to be a part of your screenwriting career is you will be submitting your scripts to agents, to executives and people, readers, people will be reading your script and be writing up the coverage that Cody is offering at a really good price. I recommend it's a great learning tool. So if you are somebody who's already written something, you need to get feedback from people who are at this level 
who are teaching for UCLA. By the way, I will post in the chat uh, the article that talks about Cody working at UCLA. So really, really cool. So you can- I invited my students. Hopefully some of them are watching. So hi. hi students. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, and what you're saying, uh, it's actually really true. The coverage thing is a lot of people, you know, just start Googling like coverage online and so many sites show up, you know, but a lot of times you have no idea who's giving you coverage. Right. I always say that you have to find someone that, you know, you know the name of the person or like who's giving you notes, not just like these randomizers that just assign yeah. anyone for like the cheapest price possible. You know, like you get what you pay for. That's right. In a way. So, mm -hmm. for example, I also work for Story Data, a super amazing startup that is also a script hosting site. And we offer coverage, we also offer mentoring, we offer things like that, but with a name, you know, like you know you're getting me if you are doing uh, something with your script. You don't just get a random person who could be any low level analyst. I wanna, yeah, I wanna add to that because this is hard, but this is, you know, people wanna make money, okay? This is a business, right? So Cody is in business here. I am in business. Christina's in business. We are wanting to create art. Yes, it's show business, but it's also a, a profitable enterprise. Yeah. And there are many people who will take advantage of you in okay. that space. So as Cody's talking about, you know, Googling for coverage and you see all these different companies that do it. Some of them are just going to rip you off. And I have been ripped mm -hmm. off before, you know, early in my career, uh, I've, submitted to so many festivals and contests and some of them will say we'll give you coverage for $49. I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then again, you don't you get a P, you get a, a PDF back of their writing with no name attached. It's just like whatever the contest name is, which seems a little shady. Uh and then you can see the point of view like sometimes they've totally missed things or else they have a um a knife to sharp. What's that? What's that phrase? Like something to sharpen when, when like a, a dagger, they want to like really get you. They want yeah. you to feel like bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang, this person read it, but they hated it. And that's fine. You can hate it. But I think a really good consultant and co coverage writer is going to be able to pick things out that encourages you to change yeah. and to work on. And so as someone who's been a client of Cody's who's worked with her. The reason why I wanted to bring her on the show and why I brought, I'm bringing her into our workshops once a month is because I value what she brings and she's a name and a face mm -hmm. that you can see. And she's a writer herself. Mm -hmm. The other thing is there's many people who are writing stuff who've never written anything. Yeah. That's also mm -hmm. a red flag. It's like, you can't tell me what to do some, how to do something if you've never done it yourself, right? Yes. That's very, very true. And what you're saying is kind of like goes back to what I was saying before. When you're writing it something, you have to give constructive criticism with ways of improving something. You can't just butcher something because then what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of and I understand that a lot of those contests, because I do judge like six or seven contests, you know, you get so many scripts that it's really hard. So I, I see that point of view, you know, and it's also the fact that those people are reading thousands of scripts, you know, it's just, it's hard to, you know, connect with them in that sense. So, so yeah, when you're getting those coverages, it might be a little different, but at the same time, a lot of those festivals are really make or break for a lot of writers. It's really hard in this industry to get noticed, you know, like most writers know you can't just 
oh, randomly sell your script. You know, you need connections, you need to network, you need to submit to festivals and you need a way to stand out. So it's a tricky balance in that sense. It is tricky. That's why we talk a lot about with Brave Maker is you can't just wait. You know, you've got yeah. to be writing, you've got to be mm -hmm. submitting and you've got to be getting the coverage yeah. and doing the film festival thing. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And you could and need to be making your own stuff, make a short film. Oh, yeah. You know, write write it and produce it. That's why Brave Maker is here. We are here to help you write your film and get it into production. We're all about that. We're not we're not waiting for anybody else to give us permission. So if we can help you, you can go to our website at bravemaker.com and get involved with what we got going on. Okay. Well, if anybody has any questions that you want to pop in the comments, we got a few more minutes here with Cody. You can ask her mm -hmm. anything. Christina, do you have any final things? Yeah. And I also want to get you ready for our new segment called Brave Fave. So you have to have something <laughs> that you recommend as a favorite of yours this week. Go, Christina. You got one more question? I do. Before I announce my Brave Fave, I'd like to know. So I'm a new writer, a new screener. At what stage do I reach out to a Cody Smart? At what stage do I start looking for coverage? Is it after I do my outline? Is it after I create my character Bible? Is it after it's complete and I feel like it's ready? I mean, at what place like do you pause and reach out for someone to take a look at someone else's eyes on it? I honestly, I, I love that question because a lot of times I feel like writers reach out sometimes too late. Like they've done so many drafts and spent so much time that if they had kind of gotten outside eyes on their project, they could have gotten mm -hmm. towards the end line much quicker in that sense. So even with a lot of my friends, you know, but of course a lot with my clients, like I do it from the outline because for me, outlining is key. Like you can never okay. have a good story if you don't outline. You don't necessarily need to literally write down the outline with every single note. Some people just like kind of outlining their heads or whatever. I'm very OCD, so I write everything down super specifically. But you should go to that stage first. And if you can mm -hmm. consult with someone when you're at that level, then mm -hmm. your script, that first draft will immediately be 10 times better. Like. On a personal note, I'm working on assignment with some Canadian producers on a script myself that we've been working throughout the pandemic. And we've been outlining for four months. And now we just sent it to three other script doctors for their notes because, of course, mm -hmm. I can't doctor myself or give myself notes because I realize and recognize, you know, every writer needs someone else to give them mm -hmm. input. Like, yeah, I can sure. see the things when you're that close, you know, so mm -hmm. it's off in their hands right now. And then we can make more changes after they give us some notes back and then move on to the first draft, which will immediately be 10 times better than a first draft that we like if we hadn't done everything we've done so far, you know, we've been outlining for so long, getting notes in between just to make mm -hmm. sure we're telling the best possible story. That is fantastic advice. So you have your yeah. outline and you haven't wasted months trying to create this entire story without anybody yeah. else seeing it. You have your outline. You're ready mm -hmm. to reach out. What yeah. price range? What is legit, you know, to be charged to have someone else take a look at it, a script doctor, and get it back to you? Uh, I would say anything between like 75 and 150 depending on, mm -hmm. of course, the background of the person. Because, honestly, you pay... 
you get what you pay for, you know, like, yeah, yeah we were saying before, there's a lot of these sites that charge you like 20 bucks for like reading your whole script. Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. under minimum wage. So who's reading that? You know, yeah. but I feel like that is like a good level uh, that mm-hmm. you can reach out to someone that's going to give you real, true, constructive notes. Beautiful. So, so 75 to 150 bucks, you can reach out to Cody through her Instagram and website and find her and find her rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to emphasize this too. I think it's so important because I hear too many artists and I hear especially actors because a lot of actors are now realizing they have to write and write for themselves. Uh, the excuse of like, well, I'm an, I'm an artist. I'm a starving artist. I don't have money. You know, you're only going to get so far with asking for free favors. Yes. People will work for free and you know, you need to do a lot of favors in this industry. You need to be a lot of, mm-hmm. you have to do free internships. It's just part oh, so of many. the industry, right? You have to do so many, but if you're continually cheap, like going cheap on your own work and not spending some of your money to invest in someone like a Cody, you're not going to mm-hmm. get better. It, it definitely requires you to scrape together some money and sacrifice. Like our art requires sacrifice mm-hmm. invest so invest in yourself in someone invest like in yourself. Um, yep, yeah right? yeah no, yourself. during this pandemic <laughs> i've seen so many writers and actors working on that you know people have more time they're not commuting they're home more you know so i've been getting a lot of people sending me stuff because they've been so productive throughout the pandemic now of course it's time now that things are opening up to hopefully start filming those things like you were saying right like film your own stuff make things happen for yourself and actually have something at the end of this pandemic that's right well cool well i guess i want to ask you one more question quick Mm -hmm. quick tips Things to avoid in scripts, things that are mm. cliche, tropes, bad, bad. We always tell our screenwriters, don't open your short film with someone waking up late and pressing on the alarm. That's so overplayed. What are some other, <laughs> what are some other tips and tricks people should avoid in their scripts? Uh, I mean, the first thing that I always say is your first three pages have to stand out like nothing else on your script. If you're at the level that you're starting. So you're probably sending your script out to festivals and things like that. They read the first three pages. They're not gonna read 120 pages most of the times. So you need to wow in those first three pages. Sometimes, of course, the first 10 have to really be good, but those three pages better be amazing. Like don't have a super lo- slow start with a loving montage where nothing happens and we're mm. just seeing the lovey couple, you know? Have something happen in the first half page. Like mm. wow with that. That's my number one tip. Uh, like the very first thing I tell people, like you need to stand out right away. Nobody's gonna read the entire script and they're gonna just put it in the no pile. You know, I worked as an analyst for a big studio for many years where I would read, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of scripts. Uh, Out of a hundred, I would maybe pass two onto my boss to read. So you better wow people right away if you want them to read your script. And then honestly, like, focus also on the minute things. Like, it matters when you're reading a script that it looks okay that it reads fine, that the descriptions are not half-page chunks that you lose all of the information there. Just make sure it reads well and that the dialogue sounds realistic. 
that's one of the things that always takes people off when it's just so unnatural. All of the characters sound the same. There's no subtext. And it's just a lot of exposition. That part, it's, mm. I, I hate right away. Like, make that exposition feel different or do it in a visual way if possible. Film is the visual medium, so try to do it that way. Not just have a character deliver a half-page monologue because we need to know some crazy backstory. Yep. I told, that's one of my favorite things to work on when it comes to dialogue and stuff is how can we get rid of the things that like, remember the conversation we had yesterday about your cancer and your appointment today? It's like, get rid of stuff like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Talks like that. Exactly. Nobody talks like that. Yeah. You've mm -hmm. got to find creative ways. And sometimes some of the best ways to do it is to just cut. If you've got a monologue that's this big, yeah. six, seven lines, cut mm -hmm. it into two, right? Yeah. And give us looks. Let us see a calendar. Let us see something on the person's desk. Let us see a them trying to hide some yeah. of this information as opposed to say it. In, exactly. You know, Nobody says everything they're thinking. Like right. you never speak like that. So try to think of those things when you're writing dialogue so it sounds realistic. Well, this has been super, super uh, interesting. I love talking about screenwriting. We definitely have to have you back. And if you take our classes at bravemaker.com, our next one's not going to be till January. We have one that just started last week, this week, actually. We're going to pick up again in January. So go to bravemaker.com. Make sure you sign up on our list if you want to get free movies and find out about different classes and things we have. You can go to bravemaker.com slash buzz. But we're just starting a new thing this week. We're going to be doing recommendations. We call them our brave faves. All right. So every week, Christina and I will be sharing our brave fave of the week and our special guest will get to share that as well. So I'll go first. My brave fave for the week is a subscription to Variety Magazine. I think yes. that everybody should have a um, subscription to this. We call these the trades in the business, okay? You need to be reading about all the deals, all the productions, all the behind the scenes stuff. And we had Clayton Davis, who is one of the writers of Variety. He's the awards editor. And I get this every week. I love it. It only costs like $1.88 to get it to your home. You can also just subscribe online, you know, variety.com, mm -hmm. check that out. And it's just a really great way for you to know what's happening in the industry when you go to these um, websites. So that's my brave fave, a subscription to variety. Mm -hmm. Cody, what's your brave fave? I have a book here that yes. I love. It's called, I liked it, didn't love it, which is about script development which Love is such it. a, like the title is just so amazing, you know, because that, <laughs> yeah. that happens so many times. You like a script, you didn't love it. You need to wow people with what you're writing. Sometimes I read scripts that I would label a six or a seven, but I'm like, yeah, they're okay, but we've seen it before. It's well-written, mm -hmm. like there is a story, the protagonist arcs, you nailed all of the turning points on the structure, but is mm -hmm. it really something that wowed me enough to pass along to someone else? So this book is really good in that sense. Like I liked it, didn't love it. It gives you a lot of tips on how to elevate things, you know, take it to that next level to really make an impression. Right on, I love stuff like that. I love Thank that, you. yeah, I love that. That's a great recommendation. <laughs> All right, what's, what's Brave Fave, Krista? 
All right, my brave favorites, Cocoa Butter is the era. Oh my God. So this is, uh, I'm just going to read it because it's about the 90s, which I feel like was just such a phenomenal time. So Cocoa Butter is the era, reminiscing on the shared nostalgia of all things 90s by looking back at the most iconic moments of the decade and digging into today's pop culture that is rooted in that era. And Tony has a very unique connection. Episode one features national treasure divine talking about the sisterhood of film it's available on hulu you got to check it out eight episodes already very cool. love it thank you coco butta the era we're gonna check that out well cool this yeah. has been so good i love yeah, this yeah. yeah thank you so much everybody for tuning in thanks to oday who's been watching live and he's been the one who's been putting our quotes up there so if uh, you follow along, if you're listening on the replay, you can go to our YouTube page, bravemaker.org, and you can see all these things popping up. We'll also be sharing some of these on social media and tagging Cody at Next Level Screenwriting. Go ahead and follow her. And we also want to say we had some new t-shirts up in our store yeah. today. So check it out. Uh, I just bought this one. I was wearing it yesterday. I'm super stoked on it. It's a, a megaphone with the word Brave Maker on it because mm -hmm. filmmaking is my form of protest. Go check that mm -hmm. out. You can also get Christina's podcast shirts from Wheel Queens up in there and our You Are The yeah. Story shirts, which, by the way, I'm wearing a green one today. So I love it. I love that you can go to this. Uh, it's Tee Public. I'll put the link in the chat as well as if you're listening on um, the podcast, I'll put it in the show notes. But what I love about this is you can get it any way you want. You can get it any fabric, any style, V-neck, sweatshirt, hoodie, all that kind of stuff. Or if you're into hats, right? If you're into hats, you can get hats. it like when I got back here. So there you go. Your Work it. <laughs> Final thing I'll say is as always, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So your support helps us. Can I ask if you can give $5, $10, $25 a month, you can text the, the word Brave Maker to 44321. That's Brave Maker 44321. Or you can go to bravemaker.com and donate on our page, bravemaker.com slash donate. All of your support helps us. I love, love doing this work. We want to help our creatives live their best lives. Mm -hmm. So thanks yeah. for your support as always. Cody, this was fantastic. This was amazing. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. Yeah, we'll, been, we'll have you back in 2021 to do yeah. another live at some point. Perfect. And then we'll be seeing you for our week four of our screenwriting class, which yeah. I think is at the first yeah. week of December. Yes. All right, cool. Brave stories change the world. And you are the story. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe. Give us a rating and share with a friend. BraveMaker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.